Ben Daniel's 70th week. And so this is the book that we're promoting right now. It's going to be, it's an advance order. We appreciate it if you uh, help this ministry, the publication uh, operation, by advance ordering the book. Uh, it's at uh, the24.com. And uh, if you dance order, it helps us get, a, obviously, a, a bigger bang when we start the, the printing. So yeah. well, that helps well, Bill, us a lot well, if you wanted to go ahead and do that. So, Bill, you can, Bill, so why do you call it The Tuning Fork? Well, that's the name of our first book that came out. It's called The Tuning Fork, and that's a good question. I'll, I'll tell you exactly why we called this book The Tuning Fork. Uh, is because the, um, the Bible, of course, is the tuning fork that tells us what's, what's accurate in theology and what is not. That's just the way a tuning fork, when, a, when you have an orchestra and you have a tuning fork, you use that tuning fork to find out which instruments are out of tune by simply tapping that tuning fork. And then all the instruments that don't match that are wrong and the ones that do are correct. That's, that's the point. So, so the Bible, of course, is a tuning fork. And we have a, there's, God has tucked into the Bible a miraculous tool, a tuning fork, that's right inside the Bible that shows us that the Bible, the King James Bible specifically, is the perfect word of God and that all the other Bibles are out of tune, specifically Daniel. And that is that the book of Isaiah, of course, is, is, the, is a prophet, a, ma a major prophet in the Old Testament. And it so happens that Isaiah has 66 chapters. Now, many people have speculated through the years that possibly the uh, 66 chapters of Isaiah might line up somehow uh, with the 66 books of the Bible, because if they did, that would be really neat people would say, and they poke at it with a stick and never really delve into it. So we decided to delve into it because it wouldn't be just neat. It would be an astounding miracle because if Isaiah, in his 66 chapters, referred to and spoke to each of the 66 books of the Bible, he did that, 66, he did that 600 years B.C. So two-thirds of the Bible had not even been written yet. So for Isaiah to have done that effectively is an astounding literary miracle mm -hmm. tucked away in the Bible mm -hmm. to prove to us that it's a miraculous book and even more specifically to prove that in the English language, the word choices in the connections are most respected and honored in that template in the 1611 King James Bible. So it's quite a study, and this book proves that to you beyond a shadow of a doubt. It goes through each chapter of Isaiah and shows you the connection. So Je Isaiah chapter 1 is a microcosm of the book of Genesis, Isaiah chapter 2, Exodus, and all the way through to Revelation. There's, there's a total of 629 isolated circuit connections between Isaiah's prophecy and the 66 books of the Bible. It's absolutely a miracle, and that book proves it with charts and graphs and a whole bunch of things that you'll you'll be able to look at, and that's available at thetuningfork.com as well. So it just became the name of our ministry our our publishing company is called the tuning fork media all right all right that sounds good go ahead so yeah so obviously we're in bible prophecy uh, topic i think Dave, daniel because uh, it's kind of an urgent topic right now and i, I think your audience is really uh, keen on that topic and they're well nuanced which is really really refreshing but uh, our, our church is holding a position that is not has not been very popular in the last 150 years or so and that uh, uh, eschatology time frame is called post-trib pre-wrath rapture now oh. let me back up and explain to your listeners what exactly the, that lingo means on the board here okay you can see the board okay yeah Maybe zoom in yeah that's okay. good. so so traditionally uh, for the last 150 years uh, we had a popular thing called the pre-trib rapture all right that has been the popular ideology behind the rapture what is the rapture the rapture is that moment at which in, in the timeline of the second coming of Christ that the rapture is when Christ comes first to the earth to gather together his saints and bring them to be with him forever so shall we ever be with the Lord first uh, Thessalonians tells us about that so that's that's the rapture that's the first phase of the second coming of Christ he comes in his second coming in two phases the rapture is first and that of course is what's referred to here we have the rapture 
here, uh, then his revelation uh, is when he comes on the white horse to reign 4,000 years, and he comes with us. So those two events are not happening at the same time. They're two separate events. Now, the pre-trib rapture, Daniel, that position, popular right now, says that the rapture, when the trumpet sounds and God's people are, are snatched off of the earth, they say that it happens before the tribulation starts. So looking at our chart, it's not the scale. This, this dot here to this dot here is the tribulation, or Daniel's 70th right. week. Okay, it's seven years right there. All right. This, this is the church era. That's 2,000 years. Wow. So it's, not, it's obviously not the scale. That's seven. This is 2,000. There's the Old Testament. That's 3,000. And here's a 1,000-year reign of Christ. So we, we zero in on the seven years of Daniel's 70th week on the chart. And then we even more zero in on, on the one year that we are in right now, which we'll get to in a minute. But So the pre-trib rapture is a belief that the, the saints leave before the seven-year time period starts, okay? Now, we do not believe that anymore. I used to. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't anymore, okay? All right, all right. <laughs> so I had, to, I had to swallow a humble pie and, and, and understand that we believe in what's called a post-tribulation pre-wrath rapture. So what that means is this. That means we believe that the rapture takes place, well, basically near the middle of Daniel's 70th week. All right. Specifically, the, the, the book of Revelation tells us that the time of tribulation is the first half of Daniel's 70th week, and that the second half of Daniel's 70th week is the time of God's wrath. Oh. Now, we've not been appointed under wrath. No. You know that, right? Right, right, right. However, we are appointed under tribulation. Jesus said, in this world you shall have tribulation. So we have no promise that we're going to miss out on tribulation. We do have a promise of missing out on wrath. So the tribulation is the first half of Daniel's 70th week, and the second half is wrath. The rapture takes place before the wrath period starts. Uh, this is so therefore called post-trib pre-wrath rapture. Now, there's a little bit of a fuzzy area there that we're going to clear up the fuzz as to exactly the moment of the rapture. Now, just for fun, just for fun, Daniel, I'm going to throw out a date for the rapture that we will live and die on this date. Are you ready for it? All right. Okay. We believe, and we'll prove to you from Scripture easily, easily, that the rapture is going to take place on September the 16th, 2023. Whoa. And that we have written in stone. Wow. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll prove that to you. We also furthermore believe that the second advent of Christ on the white horse to the world with us will take place on Wednesday, January the 13th, 2027. Now, the reason I can say that so confidently is because the scripture makes this very, very clear. Now, up until recently... The Bible command has been, you cannot know the day or the hour. Jesus said that himself, not even the son knows. But when the time comes that we need to know, we'll be able to find out. Now, let me explain that, okay? The book of Daniel is the most important book to go to on that topic. And, and of course, Daniel uh, had the same problem that most people, you know, even Jesus himself at the time when he was in the world, even he didn't even know the timing of his second coming. He chose while he was in his human flesh Okay. to lay aside some of the prerogatives of him being a deity, one of those prerogatives was not knowing the timing of his own second coming. Now, of course, he is glorified, and now he's in heaven, so I'm sure we all would understand that he knows it now. Okay, of course. <laughs> well, so. But, but uh, I don't okay. he did not know it while he's in the world. No, now, huh? if he knows it now, then here's the newsflash. 
there would come a time in the future when that knowledge would also be available to us. And we're going to see that in the book of Daniel. Now, I've got a Bible open. I can hold it up in front of the camera so you can see the verses that I'm going to show you. Okay. That's what I normally do on these programs. And that is uh, Daniel chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12 is the last chapter of the book of Daniel. Okay? Now, I'll mm -hmm. hold it steady if you zoom in. Okay. Okay? And uh, so the last chapter of the book of Daniel is, is chapter 12. I can't see myself. That would be nice if I did. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Okay, so Daniel chapter 12. We have the last chapter of the book of Daniel. Daniel, of course, saw lots of amazing visions and Bible prophecy uh, things. Right. You know. And uh, when he finished seeing the prophecy, he complained to God. And look what he said, Daniel. He said uh, uh, in verse, uh, verse 8, he said, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, Oh, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? So Daniel, he said, Lord, I, I just wrote something, 12 chapters here. And I don't understand so much, a lot of it, I don't understand. I don't know when the end is going to happen, that's the whole point here. So watch what the angel said. And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed forever. Is that what it says? No. No, it says, till the time of the end. Right, right. Okay, so the timing that Daniel was trying to understand is a sealed matter until the time of the end. Now, specifically, he's going to tell you when exactly that is. Many shall be purified. That means they, they, they believe and get saved through the gospel. And made white, which is what happens to get saved. Mm -hmm. And tried, that's the tribulation. Oh. But, but the wicked, that is the, the, the people that are not righteous, right. shall do wickedly. And none of the wicked shall understand. But the wise shall understand. Understand what? They'll understand this unsealing of the timing. Now uh -huh. watch what, so he's going to tell you the days. Now watch this. Okay. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that make a desolate set up. That's, of course, the moment that the Antichrist enters the temple. Right. He calls himself God. Right. Okay? That, the number of days shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the 1,335 days. So Dan, Dan has just told us a couple of things here. He's, if you read the prophecy, which we didn't read the whole thing, we right. find out about the about the abomination of desolation. The abomination of desolation, as I said, is that moment in which, and Jesus referred to Matthew 24, in which mm -hmm. the Antichrist would enter the, the temple and, and call himself God. That's Matthew 24, which I'll let you see as well, mm -hmm. where right. he said that you're going to see that yourself. So Matthew 24 uh, tells us that very thing. You'll see that right now. So here Jesus says that here. All right. In Matthew 24. Okay. Okay, which is next page, all right. This is a little low-tech, but it works. Okay, so here is Jesus saying that. Uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of Dan by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Then let which have been Judea flee to the mountains, let when the house stop not come down and take anything out of his house, neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes, and woe to them of the child, and give suck in those days, but pray ye flight me not in winter. Uh, neither on Sabbath day, for then shall be great tribulation. Whoa! Such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. So you see a timeline. And that is that first, Jesus said, you're going to see okay. the abomination of desolation happen. He said you'd see that. Mm -hmm. Now, the moment that that happens, according to Daniel, is in the middle, the exact midpoint of Daniel's 70th week is when the Antichrist enters the temple. So Jesus says, as soon as you see that, that would be us, then flee to the mountains because there will be a time period 
a shortened time period in which the tribulation will become the great tribulation, Whoa. such that saints have never seen the like since the time of Adam and Eve until now. And then watch what the Bible says. Daniel said, blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to day number 1,335. Now, if you've got seven years, okay, that seven years uh, has a certain number of days, and I think it's 2,600 days. 1,335 days takes you to, to 75 days after the middle of Daniel's seventh week. The abomination is in the middle. That's at day 1260, behind the mercury glass here, okay? 1260 takes you to the abomination of desolation. Another 1260 takes you to the end with the 30-day buffer for the extra month that the Jews put into the calendar because of the, the correction that they have for a 30-month. They add an extra month every seven years. That's what the Jews do. So this is actually technically 1290, and that's 1260. Mm. But at the, 12, at the 1260 mark, day 1335 is after the abomination of desolation, which is exactly lining up with how Jesus described it. So in other words, what we're seeing then is a timeline rollout. Now, where we get the dates from, Daniel, right. is, is very simple. Daniel chapter 9, the prophet told us when the beginning of Daniel's 70th week would take place. And you're going to love this. This is where we really get into the meat and potatoes on the news cycles okay. and things like that. Okay, good, good. Okay, so in Daniel chapter 9, the famous prophecy, everybody knows it by heart, those that study the Bible at all, will know that this is the great chapter that tells us about the beginning of Daniel's 70th week. So let's, let's read it and do a quick study on that. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Here we go. So verse 24, 924, Daniel. Seventy weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make a reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. So there's a whole bunch of things on the agenda there that are coming for Daniel's people because Daniel in this chapter had been praying and fasting and saying, God, look. Uh, here I am, I'm in Babylon, I've been, I'm, I was a child when I was taken as a captive, and my people are all dead and wiped out, and there's just a few of us left as <laughs> right, captivities right. here. Lord, what's the future? You said you had a promise to our Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Can you tell us, can you tell me, Lord? He's praying and praying, and finally he gets his answer. And what God does is he tells Daniel that, that there's 70 weeks that are determined upon right. thy people, Daniel, 70 weeks, of course, we know in the Bible, a week is not necessarily referring to a, a week of days. It also can be a week of years or seven years, right? We know that, of course, Joseph had that when he said there's a week of years that were remaining in the famine. So again and again, the Bible refers to a week of years or a week of days interchangeably. Right. So obviously it's a week of years. That's 690 years. So God just got done telling Daniel at that time stamp here in this moment right. that he, he said that there is 690 years left in which God will deal with the nation of Israel and the question of the Temple Mount and the matters concerning Jerusalem. That's what he said there. Now, 690 years, you might say metaphorically then, Daniel, is like a stopwatch. That's why I have a stopwatch on the cover of our book. Right. So God has got 600, 690 years left on the stopwatch in which he will be dealing with Israel as a nation in the world. Now, Let's see how that stopwatch walk, uh, maps out because it's a stopwatch for a reason, and that's because it can be stopped. So let's see how, how the stopwatch works, okay? Yeah, sure, absolutely. So, okay. <laughs> now, verse 26 now. And after the three score and two weeks shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. Okay, so here's what we're seeing then. So after, so it, it, it's 70 weeks of years, 69 is the math there, 69 of those weeks of years 
are going to pass Daniel. So here's Daniel here in the Old Testament. 483 years, that's 69 weeks of years, will pass Daniel from the moment that the temple is ordered to be rebuilt, the city of Jerusalem, that's when the stopwatch starts, he said. And then 483 years later, you'll have Messiah being cut off. And of course, that's exactly what happened. Exactly 483 years after the moment the order was given to rebuild Jerusalem, Artaxerxes Longimanus of Persia gave that order. Exactly 483 years later is the Passion Weekend when Messiah was cut off. No wonder, by the way, Daniel, that the three wise men came from ancient Iraq to Bethlehem to see his birth because they had done the math and had figured out they knew who Daniel was. He was their neighbor. So that's why the wise <laughs> wow. men. So, so the point is, it's a beautiful thing in the Bible when it says mm -hmm. that. But but the point is, is that at 483, the Messiah is cut off and then God puts a stop on the stopwatch with seven years left that are, that are unclicked. Okay, mm -hmm. now, now watch how we're going to know when they start clicking again. Okay. Okay. Verse... Uh, Okay, verse 26. And after 335, Messiah will be cut off, but not for himself. Of course, right. we know that Christ didn't die for himself. Right. He died for our sins on the cross. And the people of the prince, now notice it's a small p. Okay. It's not It's not the Messiah the prince, capital P. Right. This is why, the, this is why friends, it's important that you have the King James Bible because right. yeah, capital letters are important, okay? Mm -hmm. So the Messiah the prince is a capital P. This prince that he's talking about here is a small p. That would be the Antichrist. Because he's referred to earlier in the prophecy as the prince of the covenant. So watch what it says. The people of the prince. Now, that's not the prince. That's his people. Now, who is the people of the prince? Well, he's a European. So the Europeans, the people of the prince, shall come and destroy the city and the sanctuary. That happened in 70 AD when the Romans uh -huh. they came and destroyed the temple. That's the people of the prince. That was the European people uh, that came uh -huh. and destroyed the temple. And, and, and that happened in 70 AD. And the end thereof shall be with a flood. It's going to be like, oh, it got wiped out, like one stone not left on the other. Sound familiar? And unto the end, that's the end that Daniel was worried about, of the war, desolations are determined. So the site of Jerusalem has been nothing but a war zone. People walking on the Temple Mount without regard for kosher. They don't care about God's holy name being there. There's been no issue. Of, there have been wars there. All three crusades. I mean, it's just, been, it's just been a war site ever since. Exactly like Daniel said. In the interim period, while the stopwatch is stopped, and the seven years are unclicked, there will be a long period of time in which there will be wars in Jerusalem. That's what God mm -hmm. is telling Daniel. Mm -hmm. Now watch what happens. Verse 7, 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Obviously, because we're missing a week, right? That's seven years. Right. And in, and in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblation to cease, which means it had been ongoing. Right, right. And the uh -oh. overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate. So in other words, at the middle of this seven-year time period, the temple will have been built. Now, that's a huge news, news, news flash. Okay, yeah. so that, in other words, Daniel, and we all understand, the temple is about to get built. Oh, oh good, good. It will be built. How, how long is it going to be quickly? Okay, but Bill, Bill it, how, how, how long will it take for the temple to be built? Well, I've got some articles that prove that they can build it in a matter of four to six weeks. Uh, mm -hmm. Because uh, they've got a thing called uh, prefabricated panels yeah. that they're preparing off-site. All the masonry, all the decoration, all the mm -hmm. finishes inside and out are giant panels that have been preparing off-site. Mm -hmm. So they come with a helicopter and a crane, and they can assemble it and have it done mm -hmm. within weeks. Hey, let me ask you something. You seem, you seem to be the guy I need to ask. Are they going to have to have a red heifer in this in this deal? They sure are. Have you got the article? 
the uh, the red heifer they they have got three in fact uh, the book of Leviticus tell or sorry the book of Deuteronomy tells us that there needs to be a red heifer uh, in order to uh, purify the priests the mm -hmm. priests get purified by means of the ashes of a red heifer and so they can't really do anything on the Temple Mount uh, as far as going on the site and preparing the actual on the holy spot without having the ashes of the red heifer. And so, so, heifer I can, so, so I can, so I can, I can basically, I can say here that Jen Saki was not the red heifer they're talking about. Hey, <laughs> yes, she but, was but, close, but Bill, but Bill, well, you, if, a close second. Okay, but you've watched this program, so you know that we have people sending in questions. So let's take a break, and because uh, a lot of people want to talk to you, and they, so we have the interaction here. So let me get some questions, and we'll come back to your chart. You ready? Yes, I'm ready. All right, from Australian Ben, he's in Australia, of course. Uh, can you explain when the and, and please because we got a lot of questions in here and I don't want to take your time away from your chart either so just as succinctly as you can can you explain when the king of the north comes against the king of the south in the valley of Megiddo aka where Armageddon happens I can explain that good but I have to clarify that you've got two separate events that you're mushing together that are not the same events the battle of Armageddon is is phase one of the Battle of Gog and Magog. There's two battles of Gog and Magog in the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 38 and 39 tells you two separate battles of Gog and Magog. You read them carefully and study them, you'll find that one of the battles that's described there in 38 uh, refers to a battle that, 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 that afterwards, there is a long period of time in which God's name is honored and glorified in the world. The other battle of Gog and Magog it shows that there's nothing after that, but the new heavens and the new earth. So in other words, you've got two battles of Gog and Magog, just to clarify that. Mm -hmm. The battle of Gog and Magog, number one, is indeed Armageddon, when Christ comes to the earth with his saints to rule for a thousand years. At that moment, there is a battle that doesn't last long, and Revelation uh, chapter 19 tells us about that battle, and other chapters of the Bible as well. And that's the battle of Armageddon, in which the armies of the world that have assembled in the valley of Megiddo are wiped out by the word out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and then we come on earth and we reign for a thousand years. That's the first battle of Gog and Magog that's in Ezekiel 39. Ezekiel 37 uh, is the story of the second battle of Gog and Magog, which happens at the end of the 1,000 years when Satan is loose, he deceives the nations of the world, and then he conducts another uh, mass deception into the world and another war takes place that uh, ensues because of that. So we got two battles, that, that clarifies that. Now the battle of the, the king of the north and the king of the south, that war is imminent. It happens any day now it starts. In fact, it already has started and I can show you philosophically why and biblically why that's the case if, if, you're, if your listener is interested in that. Okay, does it have anything to do with Russia? No, it has nothing to do with Russia. Okay. All right, then let's go ahead and move to another question here and get some more of these in here. That's, that's a great answer there, Bill. All right, um, this is from Sneaker. It says, uh, Pastor Bill, um, how come... Well, let me see. You already answered this question. Okay. Uh, are, you, are you in communication with entities in another dimension? Yes. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> how about the Holy Spirit? Uh, okay. Maybe an angel once in a while if I'm lucky. <laughs> okay, okay. But so, the bad guys know. Uh, but I do have, I do know how that works, and it's very, okay, it's a very serious okay. topic. And, and so you, you, you don't see dead people or anything like that. <laughs> no. Okay. No. All right. Let's get, to, let's get some more serious questions. Thanks for the here. question. All right. Let's get to the next question here. Um, when will we see the fall of Babylon take place, as spoken of in Revelation 18? 
I love that. That's a great question. Man, I got a whole, I got four chapters in the book on that. There's two Babylons that get destroyed. Okay, there's chapter 17, which is the, which is the Roman Catholic, the Vatican superstructure. Uh, that gets destroyed in chapter 17. That's the first enemy of God's people historically. That's the Roman Catholic Church. The second enemy of God's people is chapter 18, which is the Babylonian Talmudic Ashkenazi uh, people that, that are currently centered in New York. And so Revelation 18 is the is the destruction of that center of, of power in the world, uh, which, of course, is the, the uh, destruction of New York City, otherwise known as Babylon the Great. And if you read Revelation 18, which is a great study, we, we could do it now if there was time, but it's a uh, Revelation 18 tells you about a tsunami that is actually going to hit the city of New York and wipe it out. And that is an imminent event that, mm -hmm. that can happen. That will happen any day. And I've even got some theories that I think are quite plausible as to how that could happen just about any day now. You'll So this is the newsflash, Daniel, on your channel. New York City is going to imminently is going to have a nuclear tsunami that's going to hit it and wipe out the entire megalopolis from Boston, possibly all the way down mm -hmm. to Washington, D.C. That happens any day okay, now. Okay, well, let me, let me just say for the people that say that you're crazy, I've already saw three news reports in the last few days that New York has, has sent out a, a message yes. for everybody to be prepared for a nuclear strike. Yes, I have this a news article on week. that. So you are, you, are, you are very timely in your assertion what you just said because New York City itself is warning the people and told them what to do. They said, stay in your apartments, wait for uh, announcements to yep. come, the whole list of things. Now, so why all of a sudden is, is are they saying there's going to be a nuclear strike? And Bill, you just went dead here somewhere. I guess we hit the wrong, uh, well. I can hear you. Your, your video disappeared somewhere. I'm not sure where it went. Um, hmm. Okay. I don't, know, I don't know. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah, I got you back. Okay. I don't know why. Okay. I don't know. Well, you get, it can't be YouTube, man, because I just got banned from YouTube for saying something about the election. All right. Yeah. So we're, stream, we're streaming on Rumble tonight. <laughs> okay. Oh, so, sorry. Well, it, it'll come back when the internet clears it up, as long as you can hear me. So I've got a we're good. No, you're, you're on top of it. So, so you're back on. But what I'm saying, I, I saw, okay. new, isn't that interesting, the timing that New York City yes. is warning its citizens right now? It is, it is imminent. Now, if you're, if you're, what were you, you were asking me something along that line and then we got distracted on the tech stuff. What was it? Yeah, I'm a senior well, moment here. Well, okay. For one, that's New York. Uh, and I, I, I do want to know is what, what city is Babylon? Yeah. Well, the Babylon, Revelation 18 is not to be confused with Revelation 17. 17 is the, is the Vatican Roman Catholic institution, not the people. The people are beautiful people. The leaders of the, and, and the, and the real estate, the structure is, is obviously satanic. That gets destroyed in chapter 17 by fire. And it's a slow process where they get, they get made, they go broke first. And, but then 18 is a whole other destruction of the other enemy of God's people, which is, of course, the Babylonian Talmudic Ashkenazi. And uh, this, uh, the, the Khazarian Mafia, as you might call it. Uh, so they, that, that gets destroyed in chapter 18. And that, of course, is centered in New York City. That is the center of Babylonic Talmudism. Chabad Lubavitch, uh, Revi Sneerson. These are all, these, that's a New York phenomenon. In fact, there are more Jews for lack of a better word, that live in the New York megalopolis area than live in Israel. So they're, they're, now it's not good news. Nobody's happy that anybody dies. We don't hate anybody. But but God has an issue with those folks. And uh, and, and, and and his wrath, that's gonna get, the whole thing gets destroyed. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and in the Talmud, it's a very common uh, feature in their spiritual writings that you have to confess what you're going to be doing ahead of time, even if it's encrypted, so that you're absolved from the sin of doing that. And they did it with 9/11. They did it with a lot of these uh, uh, fiascos. They they kind of 
publicly announced it so that they're absolved from any sin when they actually do it. And so that's that's what they're doing in the media right now. They're saying New York is going to get destroyed or they're putting it out there like it's a possibility. But the fact is it won't be a bomb. It's going to be the Poseidon missile that gets launched from a from a submarine that they just they just uh, uh, they just launched the submarine uh, about a month ago in in uh, in uh, Archangel Russia that submarine that is designed to carry the Poseidon nuclear bomb. Do your listeners know what a Poseidon nuclear bomb is? We're about to find out. Okay, the Poseidon nuclear bomb is is a, a missile that's larger than a school bus, and that is there's eight of them on this submarine, and that it is it is it is an AI operated underwater drone missile that gets launched from anywhere in the world, and it can swim and find its way to the target location, and it can and it's a nuclear bomb, so it explodes under the water on the seafloor, and then what happens is it generates a directed tsunami at whatever the target might be, and obviously destroys the whole continent without necessarily anyone knowing at least immediately who the perpetrator might have been because it's just a tsunami. Now, surprise, it's a nuclear reactor, it's a, it's a radioactive tsunami, which explains why after the destruction of New York, it's a place for foul birds and, 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 and mutated animals that nobody can live there ever again. That's the description Revelation 18 gives us. It, it is hit by a nuclear tsunami which of course is generated, I believe, by the by the uh, by the Russian tsunami bomb, which of course matches history. Because if you know, uh, Russia is not a is not a communist country anymore, despite what Fox News says. It's actually a Christian country now, not not necessarily a fundamental Baptist Christian country, but it's a country that professes a version of Christianity as their core worldview, well, and that's that's admirable, right? And, and so. So, but but the problem is they used to be a communist country, and the reason is because they were invaded by a bunch of uh, well Ashkenazi folks that that came from New York City. They were trained by a uh, by a um, uh, by a uh, the, the, the oligarchs of uh, the bankers uh, the, in New York, specifically uh, um, Jacob Schiff, and uh, they they had several hundred people that were trained and immigrated into Europe with the goal of eventually through Switzerland immigrating into Russia, mm -hmm. and they became the Bolsheviks that spread okay, all over okay. Russia so, and so created the white. So maybe that's why uh, the Trumps moved from New York to Florida, because they knew something was coming. Let me ask you something. Kushner did too, by the way. In a nuclear conflict, will the United States push the button, or will they say, hey, that's going to destroy the environment. We might as well let them come over and take us over, because we don't want to hurt the world. There is no nuclear war in the Daniel 7th week time period. Oh, Only nuclear war... It might might be the Poseidon bomb, which is nuclear, but it's underwater, so okay. it creates a slum. All right, and I've, I've changed gears here a little bit. You mentioned Jared Kirshner a couple times. I'm going to take you out of the picture and take a look. Jared Kirshner has a building in New York City at 666 Fifth Avenue. Now, is that some kind of strange phenomena there, or is he telling us exactly who this guy really is? Is that you? Uh, what's that? Yeah. yeah. No, I was just asking, you, you got a graphic. Up. I've got graphics like that, too. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's me. That's full. Yeah, that's, that's where everybody can see. So yeah, so I love we. that graphic. That's a great one. So yeah, so we have we have, we have several of them here. So I mean, is is he telling us? That, I got some too. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. So we got it. We're there. So is he telling us that he's the antichrist because he loves six six six? Yeah. Look well, he is. He he is the antichrist. I can prove that from scripture. Absolutely slam dunk. I can prove that from scripture that he is the antichrist. Now, uh, now, I know he's got a bean head, but let me ask you something, Bill. Doesn't the Bible say that the Antichrist won't have regard for women, and isn't this guy married? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. All three. <laughs> but here's the newsflash. All of your public figures that are homosexual 
they always have a display family for public consumption. You mean like Obama? Obama, Trudeau. I mean, the list goes on and on. Uh, so, of course, there's going to be a display family to make it look good, but they're closet homos. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what's going on there. What's and that? the Bible says yeah. that. The Bi in fact, you want to see a whopper? Daniel 11, this is, this is one of the most high-definition Bible prophecies that touches that topic, by the way, in the whole Bible. It's absolutely stunning. That proves you that we're in Daniel's seventh week. Daniel 11 talks about that very thing about him being a homo and how how what the repercussions of that in his marriage. Now look at this. It tells you right here. It says Daniel 11 verse 17 says this. It says he shall set his face to enter with the strength of his whole kingdom and the upright ones with him. This is of course the Antichrist and his people are going to enter the promised land and his whole kingdom. All the Ashkenazis are going to immigrate there and the upright ones with him. The Christian Zionists are going to support it now watch what it says thus shall he do now this is the any this is not the antichrist this is the forerunner to the antichrist they're a seven-headed monster okay so you got seven kings that lead up to the antichrist revelation 17 verse 11 tells us that right. so the one the, the, one of the ancestors of the antichrist is donald trump that's because oh, wow kushner will be the kushner will be the next president of the united states after biden what? now so well, watch what says. so thus shall he do he shall give him so he is the, 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 the king at the time of this writing, that's Trump, is going to give him, that's what? the Antichrist, the daughter of women. Now, now Daniel, how yeah. does, a, how does a, a daughter have women for a mother? You can, only have, you can only have one mother. How do you have more than one mother? Simple. In the modern area, in the modern area, you have a mom, right. and perhaps a stepmom, right. and maybe another stepmom. Right. Or she have one less because she died Two mommies. the other day. Right. So Ivanka Trump is in the Bible. There she is. He's going to give he's going to give his daughter to him, the Antichrist, to be married. This girl with multiple mothers, corrupting her. Wow. So in other words, she's going to Trump is going to give his daughter to the Antichrist to be married, and in so doing, she's going to get corrupted. Now, Daniel, I don't need to be specific and graphic here, but for a woman to be married to a closet homo, do we understand why the Bible says that is a corrupting thing for a woman? <laughs> I hope I don't have to be be uh, graphic about that. So it, it's going to corrupt her. So watch what happens. But she shall not stand on his side, neither before him. In other words, because of that, she's going to betray her own father at the January 6th hearings by attending the Joe Biden inauguration. Jared and Ivanka betrayed her own father because of this ugly situation. Wow. And so, so, so there is a highly specific prophecy that is mind-boggling about the fact that, that of, of how that works. Now, as far as Trump being the forerunner to the Antichrist, Revelation 17 tells us that. Now, look, I think Trump was the best president America's had in decades. I'm not a, so don't think that we're anti-Trumpers here. But you know, as far as presidents go, you know, they're all really of the devil. You know, that's how politics works. But you know, I wish he was back as a president, but. I don't, he won't be. The Bible says that he won't be. But but the problem is is that he's part of a dynasty that the Bible refers to uh, as the seven-headed beast that leads up to the Antichrist. I don't know if you can get that. On. That's, that's probably. Can you see that? Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Okay. Yeah, so Revelation 17 tells us about this image yeah, right here. people there. And here's how that works. Okay. Revelation 17. I referred to this already once. Revelation 17 tells you exactly about that. Uh, it says uh, verse 10. And there are seven kings that leads up to the Antichrist. Five are fallen. In other words, seven kings, five are no longer in the throne. Count them up. Okay. Okay. Five are fallen. All right. All right. And one is. So at the time of this speaking here, number six is the current king. 
That is Donald Trump. He's number six. So when Daniel, when, when, when John the Revelator is talking to this angel, getting his vision, it is during, at a timestamp when Trump is still the president. Now, according to our timeline, Trump was president for the first year of Daniel's seventh week, because Daniel's seventh week started on January the 20th, 2020. We'll get back to that. So what, what, back to this verse now. Watch what it says. Uh, and one is, now watch this now, and the other, which is the next one, is not yet come. And when he comes, he must continue a short space. That's why we call him short space Biden. The Bible just said he's going to be a president only for a short space. Now who's next? Now watch this. And then uh, and, and, and verse 11, and the beast that was and is not even, he is the eighth and is of the seven and goeth into perdition. So number eight is Jared Kushner. He's going to take over for Joe Biden. Now watch how this works. It's called the Gerald Ford maneuver. You're going to have jo Kamala Harris is going to get removed first. And she's going to get replaced by by Jared Kushner. She's already low in the polls right now, really bad. She's you know nobody likes her. She's going to get removed quickly, just the same way Gerald Ford replaced Spiro Agnew, because they knew that Nixon was on his way out. And they said we're going to get rid of Nixon with, with Watergate, but we don't like his replacement. So while the Watergate trial was happening, they went and brought the cameras over to Spiro Agnew, caught him in some kind of a tax thing, and got him out first so they could put their guy in, Gerald Ford, as VP without an election. And then when Nixon got removed, he became the president without being elected. That's what Jerry Kushner is going to do the same thing this summer. That's going to happen. He's going to replace Kamala Harris. Then finally they'll get rid of Joe Biden. He's and not, then, okay, okay. Time, time out, Pastor Pat. Uh, Pastor McGregor. Yes, sir. Now, Jared, oh, Jared, now, we agree he's a beanhead. That's one thing we do agree. But the other thing of it is, he don't, he don't, he's not popping up on any political scene. Nobody wants to vote for him. So who is he? Is who's going to is he going to be installed or is he voted in? Where's he will he, not be voted. He's going to he's going to come on the scene without what, what an election. Kind of power? The, crown, the Bible says the crown is given to him. He doesn't earn that crown. The way we earn crowns in this area is by elections. Okay. He's going to get it by nepotism. Okay. And, and, okay are you on. sure about that? I mean, yeah. I don't know. Now, talking fast ain't going to get there. Ain't going to convince me. Well, how I mean, is Jared Kirshner going to come out of the woodwork and take over the government of the United States? Very easily, very easily. First of all, he's a lifetime Democrat. Second of all, he proved his loyalty to the other side of the aisle by testifying against his own father-in-law and incriminating him in the J6 trial. So they'd rather have him than, say, uh, uh, nuisance, Governor Nuisance out in California or, or that witch yeah. up there in Michigan? He's nothing. He's, he's, he's low IQ. So you're saying he's not an Ashkenazi. You're saying that Beanhead Kirster is kind of just sitting in the shadows waiting for the power of structure course. to anoint him king. Of course. Now, here's here's one of the main reasons why we know Jared Kushner is the Antichrist. Okay. And we didn't get to this. Okay, and that sure. is because in Daniel chapter 9, we didn't finish this. We'll finish it now. Ah. In Daniel chapter 9, where we ah. read about this, the week, you know, the week of years. Ah. Okay, so here's here's how you know how Daniel's seventh week started. Okay, and this is how you know Jared Kushner is the Antichrist amongst other weeks. This is the main one. This is the most important one. This is how we get our date. So Daniel 9 tells you that. Okay, here we are. Ready? Back to Daniel 9. We were almost done there. Okay, here's what it says. It says, he shall confirm the covenant of many for one week, and in the midst of the week he shall cause a sacrifice and oblation to cease. Okay, so in the middle, so, so what happens is, is that he's going to confirm the covenant with many for one week. So there's going to be a covenant regarding Jerusalem and the people in the Middle East that's going to be made regarding the conflict there, and that begins the stopwatch of Daniel's 7th week. Who is the one that does this covenant? It's the prince that does that, small p. The small p prince does that. Revelation 6 is, is where you cross-reference to get the same time period. Revelation 6 is the first 
seal that Dan, that's a that's a that's a John. Of course, the Lamb of God opens, and it's the first horse, the white horse. You got the four horses that come out, right? You, right. you put that on the screen earlier. So that's exactly right. what happens. Right. So the four horses look like this. Well, the page fell out. Wow. <laughs> Where did it go? I, I go to that page a lot, and that page fell out of my Bible. Right, we don't that go on. Okay, so the four horsemen. The first horseman that comes out on 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 Daniel's seventh week is is this one. Another one around the campfire. Wow. Okay. Look over there. Yeah, right over there. I got it. I got it. I got it. All right, now, you know, now you know I'm a great Bible student because I got Boom. pages falling out. Boom. Okay, here we go. <laughs> okay, okay. Here we are. Revelation chapter uh, chapter six. Okay, it says this. That's it. There we go. Ready? All right, ready. Here's our here's our first horse. And I saw and behold a white horse, and he that sat on him had a bow, and a crown was given unto him. No election. He earns it by be, being given him. Right. And he went forth conquering and to conquer. So Daniel said Daniel Daniel said that the week starts with a covenant of peace. That would be the peace to prosperity plan that was much anticipated that Jared Kushner wrote and he brokered. That peace plan was was made public on January the 20th, 2020. Prophecy fulfilled. That is the only peace plan, not Camp David didn't do it, Oslo didn't do it, none of the arrangements touched, dared to touch the topic of Jewish access to the Temple Mount. This peace plan said that the Jews now have access to the Temple Mount, which, of course, is fulfillment of Bible prophecy in Daniel chapter 8, where it says that that's exactly what happened, that they would tread on the Temple Mount. Finally, I was in Jerusalem 10 years ago, and you're not allowed to go there. They are allowed now because of the peace plan that Jared Kushner brokered for the Temple Mount. That's how you know he's the Antichrist. Now, watch what it says. It also says he's the white horse. What does the white horse do? Well, with this peace plan, he comes out, and what's his action? It says, the, the, the verse... Uh, Verse two says, "Yeah, uh, it says he has a he has a bow, no arrows. So in other hmm. words, he, he's go. got a he's got a bow and he's already fired off the arrows. Why? Because the peace plan is with many already in place. The Jared Kushner peace plan was a plan in which the Arab nations in the neighborhood, some of them, agreed that they would." give welfare money to the Palestinian people to the tune of $4 billion mm -hmm. if they would accept a single state, uh, Ashkenazi state in, in Palestine and, and essentially commit you know, suicide. Uh, so that, that was the deal. That was an arrangement that was made ahead of time. So in other words, Jared Kushner did the conquering with the, with the arrows before the peace plan was brought out and that was already in place so that when being offered to them, the arrangement had been made ahead of time. That's why he's got no bows. Now watch what it says. Then he goes forth conquering and to conquer. So here we are here. So go, he goes forth conquering and to conquer. So the conquering had already happened before the peace plan came out. And right. then he goes forth and tries to get more Arab nations to uh -huh. join in on the game. That, of course, is the Abraham Accords. You say that, Ab that, you say that Jerry Kushner is, is, is off the news cycle. No, he's not. He is the curator of the Abraham Accords Institute. He is the, now he's not, they, they avoid his name almost surgically. But every time a meeting happens in the Middle East and they refer to the Abraham Accords, that is Jared's baby. He's the boss of that. And he is in the shadows for now because the Bible says that he would be in the shadows for the first few weeks of Daniel's seventh week. It says he goes forth conquering and to conquer. Now watch what the second horse does. And so the second horse is the red horse, and it says here what that red horse does. There went another horse, the red, and power was given him that sat thereon to take peace from the earth. So in other words, the first horse represented a time of relative peace. Now, it wasn't great. I mean, we had COVID, we had earthquakes.
earthquakes and you know La Palma. But the, the fact is, compared to what's coming, it was fairly calm. Mm -hmm. That's the white horse. It took a period of time, two and a half years right. to be specific. Right, right. Then when the red horse comes out, he takes peace from the earth, which means there was a time of peace relatively speaking, in which the Antichrist would try to conquer Arab nations to bring them into the Abraham Accords to recognize the Ashkenazi people as the single state solution. And that is being worked on now as we speak. Okay. Uh, and he's behind the shadows doing that. So you've got a lifetime Democrat. You've got a, a successful world diplomat that both parties have lauded with accolades his mm -hmm. work in the Middle East. Mm -hmm. No, you, you never hear negative press about Jared Kushner. No. Name me one article. Yeah, they, but, kind of, they kind of avoid him. Okay, but let, me, let, me, uh, let, me, let me look at something. You see, I, I had this from Time Magazine. He was on there. And I noticed that the, it says, uh, the family business, the unusual power of Jared Kushner is right there on Time Magazine. But let, me ask you, but let me ask one more thing, Bill. You referred to several of the United States government officials as being homos. I thought that in uh, Canada, they'd call that hate speech. How is it you're allowed to... To, to use that verbiage, uh, we don't have law. That that's 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 propaganda. No. Okay. So we, no, so no. so if there's homos out there, you got a problem. Say yeah, it you're allowed. You're allowed to refer. Okay. Homos. All right. Let's get. That was great. Now let me get a few more questions. Besides, we're a Baptist church. We don't care what the law says. We obey the Bible. Okay. And the Bible says we're supposed to call that out. So. All right. But I, come, so come and get me. Here I am. So here we know. Here we go. Christians are homo. He's, I mean, there's a whole bunch of them out there. All right. Uh, Bear from our live chat says, has the Hillazon been found for the Telhetlet blue dye. Telhetlet blue dye. I, can you say that again? Because I didn't quite get that. Well, I, I may have to spell it. Uh, has the Hillazon, H-I-L-L-A-Z-O-N, been found for the Telhetlet blue dye? I do not know. Okay. I'm sorry. You All right, let's go to another question. On that topic, let's, I'll look. Let's send me another question. Let's, like get, let's just move on. What happens to the Palestinians and the Dome of the Rock? Excellent question. The battle of the North and South begins any day now. It's going to last for one year. It's going to involve rocket exchange. This is in Daniel chapter 11, uh, I believe it's verse 27 to verse 30, 29. And then in that rocket exchange, there's going to be a stray rocket and it's going to destroy the Dome of the Rock and they'll build the temple really quick. Okay, it sounds like a prefab operation like you mentioned earlier. All right, yeah. what is Putin going to use in the New York Harbor? Um, there is something called a Satan II, and is that what will cause the tidal wave? I think you've already described yeah, so. what you said, the Poseidon. Why would the Russians use an American type of name like Poseidon? You think it would be like the Poroboski? Rocket. Well, they have their, they have their own name for it. We give it like the Satan too is not the name either. It's called Sarmat too. Yeah. By the uh, way, if, if we're Bill, if we're invaded, I, I'm with you. I'd rather go with the Russians than the Chinese because the Chinese being pound all them people eat fried dog. And you're right, the Russians have a lot of Christian churches over there. Well, they were building churches. We were destroying them over here. All yeah. right. So here he goes. Another question about the Antichrist. Uh, he deceives the world for three and a half years and reveals his true nature for the last three and a half of tribulation. That's excellent. 1260 days. That's right. That's so, exactly right. Now, the wise will know, however. Daniel said the wise are going to know who he is ahead of time. Uh, but the wicked, now, look, we're all wicked, okay? No exceptions. I thought you were talking about but, Democrats. But some of us just haven't got over our wickedness yet to where we can function in the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So I'm wicked, but I at least have overcome enough of my ignorance and my wickedness to at least understand Bible prophecy somewhat by the grace of God. So the wise humbly submitted me are now going to be busy instructing the, the wicked, of which I'm a member too, 
on these matters. That is specifically that we are in Daniel's seventh week, that Jared Kushner is the Antichrist, and the world will know it soon, and the vaccine is the mark of the beast. That's a whole other several chapters in the book that you'll get. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, check, I'm checking out the uh, poll question, who's the Antichrist? They're, they're still thinking it's the Pope. And, you know, there's pastors out all over the world, Bill, that's saying it's the Pope, you know, like poop on the Pope and all that. Some people think it's Barack Obama. I mean, that guy, now we know he's a homo because he's married to a man. Uh, then Prince William seems like he's a good candidate. But we got, how can we move Jared Curry? He's down there at number four. How can we move him up if, he, if he's the guy? Well, they need to tune in your channel a little more often to hear uh, folks like me on your channel because obviously no, just because somebody's clever and wicked doesn't mean they automatically get to be the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. We got a whole bunch of people that were in the history that were clever and powerful and wicked doesn't make them automatically Antichrist. There's some mm-hmm. specific, nuanced, high-definition factoids that need to be in place to have the Antichrist, and Jared Kushner fits all of them in spades. He's the guy that started Daniel's seventh week with the peace plan, that talked about the Temple Mount. That's Daniel's chapter 9, absolutely fulfilled right in front of your face. Then he goes forward to bring more people into peace, going forth conquering and to conquer. And then right after that, you had the vaccine, which is the red horse with the great sword. The sword is not a sword, a normal sword. It's the vaccine needle that brought peace from the earth how many people understand that divorces happened over the vaccine families right down to the level of the family level that Mm -hmm. sword caused peace to be taken from the earth and of course death comes later too that's of course is the black horse all the people are gonna start dropping like flies so it's it's jared kushner you can't I, I, I would love to debate anybody that's that's knowledgeable on any of that topic and i could absolutely you know have a have slam dunk after slam dunk after slam dunk, and they wouldn't even get near my neck. I mean, that, so, that's how that's so, how easy that would be. So, so it is. It, you 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 said that Trump was a good president, but now we got the Antichrist coming from his lineage over there. So how's it? I, I'm not. I don't know how we can square that, Bill. Well, he, it's all theater, right? I mean, the presidents are all. It's all. It's all theater. Okay. They all have a role to play. They're they're dictated what to do. Trump mm-hmm. Trump had a good role. Okay. So okay. I'm happy the role he played, but he, he was he was he, he was an operator. Mm-hmm. Uh, sad to say that. I mean, I, I had to get over to look. I love Trump. I'm, mm-hmm. We named our daughter Melania. Well, let me ask you this. Then. You're in Canada. You, you haven't said a once. I'm, I'm doubting your Canadian citizenship. But is Trudeau a homo? Yes. He's a homo. Oh, well, that's easy. Well, who's not? Worse, he's a pedophile. He actually got charged with pedophile and paid the family off to keep the girl quiet. So it's just wow. that, that guy's awful. I mean, he's, he's worse. He's just awful. Okay, it's, so, it's so, embarrassing. Okay. Now, we've had date setters before here, Bill. So now how can we be sure that September 16, 2023 is the day of all time? Excellent. Way to know that. Because the date for that plan that was Daniel 927 fulfilled was released on January the 20th, 2020. That's a key date. Because as soon as you're able to go into Daniel's prophecy and find the beginning when the stopwatch starts clicking again, it's elementary. It's seven years. So you just have to, easy. From the beginning of Daniel's seventh week, you get seven years. That's the second coming of Christ when the millennial reign of Christ begins. But that's not all. Daniel said, you can also count 1,335 days in and that's the date of the rapture. And also, you can count exactly to the midpoint, which is just before the rapture. That's the date of the abomination of desolation. Jesus said, when you see that, then run for the hills, because between here and here is this time of the great tribulation. And we've got the, we've got the days marked out. This is today, right here, zero. The rapture is exactly 434 days from now. 
That's exactly how much time there is left before the, anyone that's saved will be leading the world on, on, on September the 16th, 2023. One year from now, the abomination of desolation takes place. Just under a year from now, that's when the Great Tribulation starts, when God's people are going to get slaughtered wholesale by guillotines in FEMA camps. That's when that starts here. Daniel chapter 8 tells you that. So that's what we're getting ready for. In the interim period, God's people need to get busy getting people saved, getting the gospel out, and telling people and warning them that we're in Daniel's 7th week, and that now is the time to realize that you haven't got any time left the end is near, and God's people should liquidate some of their assets. I say that you know, with all the hesitancy I can, and pour all their effort into getting people saved. And of course, Daniel, in, in the last moments of our broadcast, if you don't mind me suggesting this, mm -hmm. and that is salvation is really what this is all about. And I know that you're a man of the faith as well, Daniel. Yeah. So obviously the, the whole point here is to make sure you're saved. If you don't know for sure, you die right now, you go to heaven, it's mm -hmm. not something you need to wonder about. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. Doesn't say whosoever goes to church is not going to perish. Didn't say whoever's religious won't perish. You got to believe in him. Now the devils believe and tremble. So it's not just believing that there is a Jesus and that there are facts about you. No, you need to actually trust him. The word believe means the trust, to depend upon, to rely on. So your job is to, be, to, to have everlasting life is to stop believing in yourself and your efforts and your good works and your religion. Stop believing in that pile of garbage to be saved and turn from that belief structure and believe in what Jesus did on the cross when God gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Your only hope of having heaven, dear friends, is to, is to stop trusting in religion, stop trusting in your own good works, for by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a gift God gives you when you call upon the name of the Lord and tell him in a simple prayer that you've changed your mind and you're trusting in the blood of Christ and the sacrifice at Calvary as your only valid passport to enter heaven. And if you tell Jesus that in a prayer, then on the spot, he gives you the gift of everlasting life. It's just that simple. Anybody can do that like this. So simple. Let's pray, Daniel. Then if there's any other questions, we'll call it off. Right. So Lord, I just pray for anyone listening to the broadcast right now that perhaps isn't saved. They might be nice people. Maybe they're good to their neighbors. Maybe they're religious. And that's okay. I hope they keep doing that. But Lord, that doesn't get them into heaven. The only way they can get saved is to change their mind and trust in the blood of Christ. I pray that they would do that right now. If you're not saved, here's a humbly suggested prayer that I can offer you if you don't know what to say. A prayer to get saved could go like this, dear listener. You could say this, dear Lord Jesus, I understand that I'm a sinner. I do not deserve to go to heaven, but I believe that on the cross you died and you paid for my sins with your blood. So right now, Jesus, I'm calling on you. I'm asking you to save me and to give me the gift of everlasting life. I believe you. Thank you for saving me today. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, friends, let us know in the comments, and, and our friend Daniel here will let us know, or you can contact us at uh, thetuningfork.com, mm -hmm. uh, where, where you can yeah, reach us there. Is, That's if, our if, email. If, if anybody does, does agree with that prayer, uh, just mention that in, in the live chat. But let me ask you something, Bill. It, it, so you're saying next year, at some point, there's going to be the Great Tribulation, and the Bible certainly says there will be guillotines involved. That's right. Uh, and, uh, and then even Revelation, it goes on to say that uh, these are they that were beheaded for the names of Christ. Is there, is there a time for those that did not say that prayer that are hesitating accepting Christ? Is, is there any defining time where you could say if when it comes that 
they will no longer, God will no longer hear, they won't have any time, or their prayer will not be heard in heaven. Is it after the guillotines? Is it before? Is it tribulation? Is it never? There's two time periods that you need to answer that question. Number one, if you're not saved and you die, you're going to hell forever. Now, that's what we all deserve. That's what I deserve. But I got saved. You should too before you die. That's number one. The second deadline is that if you take the mark of the beast, which is the COVID injection, it's not a preamble to it. It's not a foreshadowing of it. It is the mark of the beast, okay? Now, I can show you the proof of that. But if you've taken the COVID injections, then you have the mark of the beast. Now, if you have the mark of the beast, the Bible says that you not only cannot ever get saved, but you won't want to. It, it, it'll be gone. You will, you become what the Bible refers to as a reprobate, sadly. Now, there are exceptions. I should say that. You might have gotten a placebo, whoo, which means you are not a reprobate and could still be a candidate to get saved. Or there is another option that we could talk about later about how to reverse the mark of the beast. But anybody that takes the mark of the beast knowing, knowingly that it's against God's will, what's going to happen is the, the graphene oxide with a hydrogel connection to luciferase travels from the deltoid to the back of the hand so that you can actually have a, a visual uh, on the back. And it sh here's a video that, that shows you somebody, it's actually assembling on the back of their hand from the vaccine injections. you got the luciferase showing up in a vein pattern. That, of course, is the, the mark of the beast that will that, that is being assembled by automatic molecular assembly in the, in the, in the uh, graphene oxide carrying the hydrogel with the luciferase in it so that it assembles in the back of the hand and you have the mark of the beast assembling your body right now if you've been taking any of these mRNA injections. It's very sad, very crazy idea. What, what, if, what if somebody was forced to take it? Well, here's a good question. Remember this? Now, this is a theory, only a theory. I hope it's a true theory. And that is that Jesus said, if thy right hand offend thee, notice he said right hand. If thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. Better for thee to enter into life maimed than into hellfire with both hands. Now, why did Jesus say that? Well, number one, spiritually, if anything is in my life that, that stops me from serving God, I should get rid of it. That's the spiritual application. But Jesus said the right hand for a specific reason, and that is, I believe, that as an alternate interpretation, he was speaking through time to the end of in Daniel's seventh week when exactly this would take place. Some people would be tricked into it or maybe in a coma and they got it. Jesus says, when you when you got that injection, once you realize that it's the mark of the beast, then to prove that you're not a reprobate, you'll be eager to have your hand cut off. Now that's literally. I, I realize you know, that's. Do you, do you know anybody who's done that, Bill? Huh? Do you know anybody who's cut their hand off for that reason? Uh, no, because I don't think that the that the uh, the vaccine injections have fully manifested as a mark on the hand in everybody yet. When it does, it's going to scare the bejeebers out of everybody. And I think a lot of people are going to are going to line up to have it cut off just the way Jesus now, said. Now, Bill, if I was out there and I got the shot, what you just said would just be the most horriblest thing I ever heard in my life. And here's the bad news. I think I just you heard thought that was bad news. Here's the yeah, worst news. Of course. That's only a theory. Uh, that's that's me grabbing at straws to try to provide an opportunity for anybody in that situation to have a chance to. I could be wrong about that whole theory. I, I'm only. It's well, a possible that you are. I'm kind of hoping that you are, Bill, because. There's... Me too. And don't forget, there's also the placebo. I mean, you could have a, you could have got lucky and you got a placebo, which means you're completely, you know, not a, 
a carrier of the mark of the beast. So mm. there are exceptions, of course. But yeah, I just, I, I, and this is a, kind of a disclaimer on my part, but I, I, I can't agree that if somebody's taking it, that they're damned to hell for eternity. I, I feel like there's God's grace is going to be in there somewhere. And, I wish that and was if they're true. still alive. Well, I mean, that's why I asked. The Bible makes it clear. If you if you take the mark of the beast, you are did going he, to the lake he, of fire, guaranteed. The Bible makes that really, really clear. I don't okay, know how so, you get around that. I so wish. How, okay, I, so, wish so, I wish none of this was true. Okay. I so, wish we could okay, just all be okay. happy and um, everyone just dying. I understand. It doesn't work like that. Though, okay, I understand. Okay, how about this? So it does say um, the mark in the forehead or in the hand. So are people yeah, getting shot in the forehead? Hey, I didn't finish the quote. And then Jesus said, and if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. Wow. Do you realize that the eyeball is, the, is, a, is, a, is an access to the inside of the cranium where if you're really skilled, you can get in there without dying and do some minor surgery, even homemade, if you're really careful. Because you know what's going to happen, right? Here, here's what's going to happen. People are going to get the mark of the beast. It's going to show up. And they're going to say, wow, I, I don't want this. I'm a Christian. They're going to chop off their hands. A lot of people are going to do it. Then the authority is going to say, wow, we didn't expect that one. They shouldn't have been listening to that Baptist preacher on Daniel Ott's show. We got we to gotta gotta do something. So they're going to reprogram the nanotech to instead of going to the hand, it's going to go instead to the inside of the temple, hoping that nobody would cut their head off, of course. But people are going to figure out if I pull, if you've seen Minority Report, Stranger things can happen. They're going to pull their eyeball out and pull the mark of the beast out from behind their cranium. Uh, I believe in my theory. Yeah. That that's theory. that's what will happen. It's only a theory, and it's a little crazy, and I confess that to you. But that's. I hope that's hope at least. I mean, for the sakes, I like that theory better than none at all, frankly. Well, I don't know about the eyeball. I didn't read anything about the eyeball in the in the Bible. It said forehead. Well, that's how you get access to the forehead is you take out the eyeball and you can scrape the inside of the cranium. It's a theory. It's, it's not, you know, I, I hope, I hope it's not that awful, but Jesus said it for a reason. If I right eye offend thee, pluck it out after talking about the right hand. And then he says that the right eye offend thee. No, that's why they're going to cut people's heads off that aren't saved, right? Because that's, you know, they, if you won't get the mark in your forehead, we're going to cut your head off. What about, all, what, okay, what about little kids are getting jabbed against their will? Yeah, well, that, well, little kids go to heaven jabbed or not because little kids aren't aren't uh, don't have free will, right? So little children are automatically go to heaven jab or not. Yeah, that, that's a good question though. We're talking about adults that are that, that make a conscious okay, decision. Okay, so to be clear, though you do say it's the jab, you still have a disclaimer that is strictly your opinion. Oh, of course, of course. Okay, because I'm telling you, I'm sure there's people watching the show that may be having a horrible sinking feeling right now. What you just said. And now they have no hope. And I'm thinking that we got hope until till Jesus shows up. I, I, I would hate to have been Noah. Man, he had to tell the whole world that you're all going to die in a flood. No exceptions. And that's exactly what happened. So, wow, I mean, that would have been a bummer to have to preach like that. But he did it. So the Bible makes it clear. If you take the mark of the beast, you are condemned to the lake of fire. We have a we've offered you a couple of theories where there might be an exception to that. That's by grace. I hope it's okay. True. So, so ten years ago, between 10, 15 years ago, all the Christian preachers, prophecy people were saying the RFID chip in the hand is the mark of the beast. But then the tech changed, and all of a sudden now we got a whole oh well, forget about that. We got we got another mark of the beast coming. That wasn't it. I mean, how can people? You know, they changed the view. It's kind of like Planet X. They keep changing the date. And even really, like the the rapture and tribulation, a lot of people are changing the dates according to when once it passes. 
So how can we be sure that we get if we have a definitive mark placed in time? Well, because of the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, we have a, a, a de definitive mark for that. And that's the problem with the pre-tribbers. They put dates on guessing and hoping that it's next week or two weeks from now. And then it doesn't happen to say, gosh, well, let's try that again. Well, we're not doing that. We're saying that, yeah, we have a date for the rapture. It's a year from now. Are you excited? Not really, because it's not that soon. Okay. So, and second <clears throat> of all, there's a whole pile of things that have to happen before that, that if they don't happen, we already have pie on our face weeks mm -hmm. and months and months before the rapture date. You see okay, what we're so saying? Listen, the, this is not a conventional okay, rapture. All right. So I know, I know that the Bible says line upon line, precept upon precept. So in another place it says, he that confesses Jesus is the Christ is of God, and he that confesses not that Jesus Christ is not of God. So if a person got the jab, and they confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, in fact, he is God, wouldn't that supersede and line upon line, scripture upon scripture mean that they, even if they had the jab, and if they made that confession, which it seems like that would be a higher point of scripture, spiritual life and it would be about taking a jab the well, devil can't say that. That, that that passage that you're quoting from because it's not just a matter of admitting that jesus christ is the son of god because satan does that satan knows that jesus christ is the son of god and he's not saved never can be so it's, it's not quite that simple that phrase needs to be looked at in context the whole body of scripture makes it very clear that salvation is a choice that you make that god gives you the opportunity to be saved by your own free will you choose to turn from trusting in your good works or your own pride and you trust in the finished work of christ the word believe means the trust depend like if i just if i just say to you okay david well here's this chair okay i'm gonna if i'm invited to your home and you say bill have a have a seat on my chair over here and i say to you david i, I don't want to sit on your chair and and you say to me well come on have a seat i say nope and then you say to me, Bill, don't you believe in the chair? Now I might say to you, David, I believe in that chair. Yes, sir, man, look at that chair. It looks solid to me, but I'm just not sitting on it. Well, believing facts about the chairs don't count nothing. What matters is when I actually put my weight and my trust and belief upon this chair to hold me up when I sit on it. So what makes you saved is not believing a bunch of facts about Jesus and whether or not he qualifies to be whatever he says he is. It's the fact that, yes, that's part of it. You do need to believe that there is a chair. You do need to believe facts about that chair, but you gotta go further than that and actually put your trust on that chair for the function that the chair is offering. And that chair is Jesus, and the function that he offers is well, salvation. If you'll we're stop argue, trusting, we're not arguing the the the, the, the way to salvation. I think yeah, yeah. One hundred percent agree. To your friend, to your listener, that just just confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord is is not enough. That's not a complete statement. It's true, but it's not complete. You have to you have to an act of faith in the finished work of Christ, which of course anyone can just say, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord, doesn't mean they're a Christian. Judas did that. Judas was preaching the gospel. He got people saved and baptized, look, look yet he was a devil from the beginning. Here, so you can't, you, it's, it's, it's not just quite that simple. Okay, I do understand you said that, for instance, that's the argument of works without, faith yes. without works is dead. I, I understand that. You know, and Paul said, I'll, justify, I'll show you my faith by my works and this kind of thing. But I'm, that's kind of conflating what I'm saying here. I'm saying if somebody has the jab and, they're, they're, and they've already been to the cross, They've accepted Christ as their Savior. They confess Him as Savior, as is biblically called. Then that would negate the power of that jab, changing their salvation from salvation to unsaved, from saved to unsaved. Because it didn't say that if, if who the Father puts in His hand, no man can snatch out. Right. So that jab ain't gonna snatch somebody out of the hand of Christ. I can tell you that right now with all authority. Well, if the jab is the mark of the beast, which I believe it is, then if you've taken that jab. 
then see the Bible. Here's how the Bible maps that out. That the verbiage, it refers to some people that are caused to take the mark of the beast, and others that take it in an act of worship. So some people are caused. Like for example, if I I could have a glass of a, a bottle of water here sitting on on this on this desk here. Now I might not see that bottle of water, but if I bump this table, I will cause that bottle of water to fall over and spill. I didn't know the bottle was there. I didn't intend to spill it. I might not even been aware of the possibility of that event. But by doing one act of misfortune, I have caused inadvertently another one. So that's what the word cause means. So some people are caused, the Bible says, to take the mark of the beast. I believe that those people have an escape. Okay, we talked about that. And I think it's kind of gross, but it's possible. That should be good news, believe it or not. But because otherwise the Bible makes it very clear that whosoever receiveth. Now, if I receive the mark of the beast, that means I am worshiping the Antichrist that created it. I, I believe that, that, the, that the, the, the world system is the one I should be trusting with my health. I'm taking this knowing that I'm participating. And then if the mark of the beast shows up in the back of the hand and then they start to use it to make their purchases, which they will do, then that person is a reprobate. And the Bible makes it very clear that what a reprobate is. A reprobate is somebody that was born and got opportunities to be saved, but they rejected those opportunities. And you reject God enough times, then he will make you a reprobate, which means you are no longer able are to get talking saved. About two we're talking about two different kinds of people here. I'm talking about people that accepted Christ, and I know that Christians have, have taken the jab. So what I'm asking you is, once, they have, once they're in the hand of the Father... Are they removed when they take the jab? Is their salvation void? Is it voided? Is that what you're saying? Well, well I think, let me answer it better because I didn't make it clear. Okay. You say they're saved. I say they're saved. But that doesn't mean God says they're saved. Judas was the most saved looking person amongst all the apostles of Christ. When Jesus said, one of you is going to betray me, they all guessed at different people. Nobody guessed it was Judas. You know why? Because Judas was the most solid-looking, spiritual-looking Christian on the whole crowd, yet Jesus said he was a devil from the beginning. So the point is, Jesus said, many will come to me in that day. Many, not few. Many are going to come to me that day Say, Lord, Lord, did we not cast out devils and, and prophesy in thy name and do many wonderful works? We looked like Christians. We, everyone thought we were saved. Then Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. So in other words, Daniel, there's a lot of people that you and I think are Christians, but they're not. And we can't form our theology based on a microcosmic look at whom we think Christians are and whom they are not. We get our theology from Scripture. And the Scripture says that there will be many people that are going to profess to be saved who are not, and they're going to pretend to be saved, and they're going to be actually not saved and reprobates, in fact. So this is a common phenomenon in the last days. So we can't we can't derive our theology based on an opinion poll of what the people are around us, whether they're Christians or not. The fact is very clear that if you've taken the mark of the beast, willingly, knowingly, then you are you're a Judas. You were never saved. You can never become saved, despite whatever professions of faith I might have heard you make in the past. I sadly come to the belief that. That person's not saved, despite what they might have said or behaved like. 
And if we can't get past that, we're going to be fooled and deceived by the many false prophets in Christ that are going to be around these days that are going to be professing faith in Christ that are not saved. Jesus said that would happen. And lo and behold, you're, you're proving it to me right now that, yeah, we all know people like that. that we, now, we're not the judge of these things. We're not going to finally pass judgment on people. I think, I think you and I are, say is that if you've taken the mark of the beast, you're, you're, you're never been saved and you never can be saved. Okay. That's, that's, I, I, think, I think where we are on the same page is that people do need to accept Christ into their life and oh. be saved. We are in 100% agreement. And I appreciate your salvation prayer and invite that you gave. And uh, there needs to be more of that on these kinds of internet shows. All right. Well, Bill McGregor, we're at the end of the program. Uh, any, final, any final things you'd like to say? You go right ahead. It's your time. Well, like I said, with regard to the market beast, we hope and pray that you got a placebo. <laughs> How's that? Because Pfizer said that 60% of the vaccines they put out from January to March were placebo. So let's hope that, you know, if you don't get the mark of the beast, you got a placebo. Praise God for that. I've got people I love that I got family members, members first, like, like kin, like siblings that, that have taken it. My, and they're all professing Christians. But I've got siblings that have taken the market, the, the vaccine, and multiples. So you know, it, it, it that hits me. Per that's why they said peace is going to get taken from the earth by this sword that's going to divide families. So we leave that with you. But uh, you know, the most important thing is make sure you're saved. And we don't know who reprobates are and who aren't. Finally, only God does. So we, we leave you with the idea of don't, don't forget to go to thetuningfork.com and help us out and advance order your copy of Game On. We are in. Daniel's 70th week. And thank you for the time, Daniel. All right, Bill McGregor, I appreciate you coming on the show and spend some great time with us. And I love your chart. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.